Welcome to Third Floor Views, a production of Chesapeake Family Life, where we talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Laura Boycourt. Today we'll be talking about concussions, what we know about them, what you think you know about them, and what's being done to minimize them. And joining us today is Dr. Adrian Sfingos from the Kennedy Krieger Institute Centers for Brain Injury Recovery. Thank you, doctor, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. Let's start with you, your background, your expertise. As I understand it, you're a neuropsychologist and research scientist with a focus on youth concussions. Could you tell us a little bit about what led you to be interested in this particular field? Absolutely. So I think my interest in concussion specifically really started when I was a collegiate athlete at Syracuse University. I played field hockey there and I had teammates who experienced concussions. And I remember you know, not really understanding what happened to this person. They, they had a hit to the head. They can't really participate in our training now. Um, things are really looking different for them. And I was really, I'd say, curious and just didn't understand what was going on. I experienced my own concussion and I learned a little bit more about it, um, but that's sort of where my interest started. And then when I was doing my graduate training at the University of Florida, where I earned my PhD, um, I was able to work with countless brain injury patients with the most mild form of traumatic brain injury, all, all the way to more severe. And I think working with this patient population, um, hands-on, and then learning more about the state of the science, I think I realized that I wanted to better serve families um, and youth who are experiencing this. So sought out additional training at the Kennedy Krieger Institute where I did my fellowship. And um, I'm really fortunate that I get to keep doing this work and treating patients that have concussions. So absolutely. And we're grateful that, uh, that you are doing that work. So let's move on to sort of the, the meat of the conversation. For listeners or viewers who might not know, what are the basics of concussions? You know, what is a concussion? How does it take place? And I know that's a loaded question because concussions can happen in a variety of ways, but what is a concussion and, um, you know, where are they sort of most commonly um, occurring? Sure. So as far, I guess we'll start with language and mm -hmm. what we, you know, what is a concussion? I think you'll hear different words that are used and families sometimes are confused about this. So um, a concussion is a form of traumatic brain injury. We sometimes refer to it as mild traumatic brain injury. And what it represents is when there are biomechanical forces that are transmitted to the brain, um, this can result in a impact directly to the head, uh, a hard impact to the body or a fall, or even when the head is rapidly accelerating and decelerating, such as what we see in the context of a car accident. Um, so these forces are transmitted to the brain and this disrupts the functioning of the brain. Um, it affects the metabolism of the brain or the energy uh, process that can result in stretching of brain cells and just affect the brain chemistry. And what we see are these concussion symptoms, which I'm sure we'll talk about at mm -hmm. some stage. Um, but I'd say those are those are the basics of concussion mechanism. So it doesn't need to necessarily be a direct hit. It could be sort of that the the momentum and the the sort of reversal of that. It can be a variety of ways because a lot of us, you know, we think, okay, it must be a direct a direct hit if you're falling. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And we have patients sometimes that ask this, you know, I, well, I was wearing a helmet. How did I end up with a concussion? Or I didn't even mm -hmm. hit my head. How did I get a concussion? Mm -hmm. um, so that's a common misconception that there has to be direct impact to the head. Okay. Um, so let's talk about kids. Let's talk about children um, from the young ones to maybe those in their late teens. Um, I guess I'd like to ask, what are the most common causes um, that in your experience you've seen? Um, and again, you just mentioned some of them, um, you know, sports and bikes, things like that, but sort of it's a, a large age range, but what, what have you seen being the causes? Yeah, so I can tell you what the data suggests, and then I can mm -hmm. share just clinically some of the examples of what I see. Um, so traumatic brain injury, when we look at um, pediatrics, so from birth to um, age 18 or so, we see that the youngest children, birth to four years, a leading cause of injury is falls. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, this makes perfect sense. Those of us who are parents, we know that when our toddlers are learning how to walk, they're learning how to climb, they're exploring. Um, it's easy to, to see how clunks to the head could occur. And so we certainly see that and the data reflect that. And then again, when our children are reaching adolescence, so ages 15 to 19 or so, we see a really big uptick in traumatic brain injuries due to driving accidents. Um, a leading cause, another leading cause is sport, sport related injuries. Mm -hmm. And so we estimate that between one and two million sport-related concussions are happening each year among kids alone in the wow. U.S. So wow. a lot of injuries. Yeah, it's staggering. Um, what are the symptoms? Um, I've heard of you know a, a range of symptoms from you know very little to to severe. What are the symptoms, and what should parents and caregivers, coaches, um, anyone you know around um, these? Uh, you know, pediatric kiddos, um, what should they be looking yeah. for if they suspect a concussion or maybe something kind of in retrospect, oh, that actually, you know, does fit the description of what might be a concussion? Yes. So the symptoms of concussion are wide ranging. Immediately after an injury, there might be an alteration in mental status. So um, confusion, some patients do experience a frank loss of consciousness where they black out, um, they may see stars. And what we've come to find is that actually blacking out and losing consciousness is on the rarer side for concussions. So um, over 80% of the time, we're not seeing that. And so I think this is something that as a parent, you know, if your child didn't black out, they didn't have confusion or anything like that early on, it doesn't mean that they did not have a concussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Within a day or so, we can start to see headaches, um, light and sound sensitivity are a big one, certainly balance problems, dizziness, um, nausea is another mm -hmm. one or appetite changes and um, emotional changes. So irritability, you might notice that your child is just keyed up or on edge. And I'd say a really common symptom that sometimes, you know, folks aren't talking about as much is sleep disturbance. So okay. um, it's very common for us to see kids that are really excessively sleepy, um, wanting to sleep all day, all night mm -hmm. after the injury. Mm -hmm. And we see some kids that have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. So this is another symptom of concussion that's important to look out for. That's a great um, explanation of, of what uh, what parents could look for. Um, and we talked about some of these sort of leading up to this question, but what are some of the, I don't know, common misconceptions about concussions? What, what do we need to know? What's uh, fact from fiction? 
I love this question because there are so many myths out there. And I think um, there's a lot of awareness happening about concussion and concussion in the media. And so I think it's um, it's really important to have conversations about what the science is showing. And um, so thank you for this question. I think it's a really good one. One thing I feel personally I'd love to share with families is I think we see a lot of patients who get this advice that after a concussion, they need to cocoon, go in the, go in a dark room, turn the lights out. Don't look at screens. Don't do anything physically active. Um, we see kids that spend days and weeks and they haven't connected with their friends at all. They are, they're stuck in their room and they're mm -hmm. asked to monitor their symptoms. And what we have found through research is that we're, after an initial, a brief period of rest, so a few days max, um, prolonged rest time and restriction of activity is actually associated with worse outcomes and prolonged oh, okay. recovery. And so I'd say this is a misconception that we really evolved in how we manage concussions. This is a, um, we're learning more about concussion every day. There's so much research that's being done and really the latest evidence suggests that we need to get kids active sooner after a concussion and that non-contact physical activity after a concussion is actually really helpful. Hmm. So I'd say that's a misconception and just something that I think it's important to have your child seen by a provider who can share sort of the latest evidence and not rely on, you know, personal experience mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. Uh, Googling yeah. something because sure. they, absolutely, but yeah. everything is, it's a rapidly evolving field. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that was new, new uh, news to me, I should say. Um, yeah. I, I was misinformed about it. So I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> it's um, I, I think it's really confusing for patients because mm -hmm. you originally do get the advice you need to rest yeah. and we still recommend rest for the first couple of days. Um, sometimes there's a gap in care and a patient can't get in to see someone to, to learn about how to gradually get back into activities until weeks have gone by and they are completely wow. inactive. And wow. uh, we see, we see that this causes a lot of problems for kids, especially kids who are, you know, mm -hmm. have college mm -hmm. applications and right, right. all kinds of things that they're balancing. Sure. No, right. So. Um, so you mentioned, um, you know, the the data. There's there's more more coming. It's sort of a it's getting more attention, which is great. Um, what are some of the statistics um, on concussions from the data that you may have looked at? Are concussions on the rise, and if so, in what areas specifically? Yeah, so I don't know that I'd say that concussions are happening more frequently. I think what's happening is we are getting better at detecting concussion. I think that conversations like this are really helpful in uh, getting the word out and equipping, you know, parents, caregivers, teachers, anyone, uh, coaches, you know, anyone that's mm -hmm. working with kids um, to with information about what a concussion can look like. And so I think that that's reflected some of the data. And um, certainly I think that this is a good thing that we're, we're detecting these injuries. Mm -hmm. A lot mm -hmm. of us think that we're still likely undercounting the number of concussions that are, that are happening. Okay. Okay. And what's being done to, to minimize youth concussions. I know you and I were having a conversation that we're, 
we're both um, former collegiate athletes and, you know, there's this, uh, you know, maybe back when we used to play, things have, have you know, improved a little bit, but this, these days there's more of a dialogue, um, there's more knowledge, there's more awareness. So, you know, that, that's a huge tool in itself, but what's being done to, to sort of try to, you know, tamp down the number of concussions, especially in, I guess, athletes. Yeah, great question. So I think that there are a lot of things that are being pursued. There are a lot of things that, that have been done, some with great success. So one thing that's happened, I'd say changes to sporting rules and practices. So mm-hmm. um, some of the data showed, for example, in football, that contact practices, particularly in collegiate athletes during preseason, um, is where a lot of these injuries were occurring. And so there were changes that that took place that, you know, and I remember back in the day, we did three mm-hmm. days during preseason yeah. in, our, <laughs> in our contact. I mean, lots of ice baths, lots of practices. Yep. They aren't allowed to do more than one uh, full contact practice. So I think that um, a lot of youth coaches and youth sporting organizations have followed suit in changing the game and thinking about ways to protect athletes. Certainly, um, from an athlete perspective, learning mm-hmm. appropriate techniques and doing things like neck strengthening are really important, particularly in the context of football or, um, you know, mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. Yep. soccer, yep. right? Sure. <laughs> I, use, I use the term for both sports, American yep. football and football. Thank you. Uh, and so that's been a really effective um, strategy as well to, to teach youth athletes better technique Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have some really exciting work underway and hypotheses about how to prevent re-injury after ah. a concussion has occurred. And so that's some work that we're pursuing right now at our center. Um, and I was going to ask you about that. That's my next question. Your specific research projects. Can you tell us a little bit more? I don't know what you're allowed to say, what you're not, but um, yeah, anything you can tell us about sort of that, that re-injury or any other um, thing in particular you're working on? Yeah, so I'm really fortunate. I get to work with a team of scientists and um, we, so myself and doctors Beth Slowmine and Stacey Suskauer, who I work with um, in the Brain Injury Clinical Research Center, uh, we have some exciting work underway. Currently, I think we can share that we have some data that's looking into subtle motor differences between youth that have sustained concussions and clinically recovered and those who never sustained a concussion. And okay. we're using advanced advanced neuroimaging to look at that, mm-hmm. um, as well as behavioral measures. And I have some work that's underway. I'm not. I mm-hmm. can't say too yep. much about it yet, but um, it's looking at cognitive training and visual perceptual training as a means to potentially reduce risk. So, if you're interested in learning more about some of the projects we have going on and studies where you know we're recruiting, mm-hmm. um, you can check out our website or share that. It is slash concussion. Okay. Um, And it's the same website to schedule an appointment as well with our clinic. So there's links to all of the things on there. Perfect. Perfect. Um, So I want to get into your um, book first before my final question. Um, I know you helped author um, Navigating the Challenges of Concussion, uh, maybe as a parental resource, a caregiver resource. Could you tell us a little bit about what's in the book? what, you know, valuable pieces of information that, uh, that readers might be able to get from it. Sure. So the book covers a lot of the things that we've talked about 
today, I think that um, the way it was written, we we're really hoping that it could be a resource for, for parents, patients that are experiencing concussion. We get into what a concussion is in, in better detail, how it's different than other forms of brain injury, what to expect about the recovery process, what to do if symptoms persist and hang around um, be, you know, past a matter of days to weeks. Um, and we get into, I, I was able to co-author this book with experts in neurology and neuropsychology. And together we have treated patients from the youngest of young to the oldest of old, athletes, military personnel. And so we bring these perspectives from working with patients and provide up-to-date and accurate information about some of the science and um, what what to what to expect and if you're on this journey. And that's great. I, I love that that it's as much a resource uh, for you know those sort of on the outside as those actually experiencing it, if not more, um, because that's great to have that sort of guide, um, you know, based on on you know real experiences, research data, your expertise, things like that. So that's that's wonderful. Final question, what final words of advice would you give to, to parents and caregivers? You know, we can't keep our kids, our athletes in a cocoon. Uh, you know, we, we you know, do the best that we can. We wear our seatbelts, we wear helmets, we should anyway, um, you know, things like that. But, but in terms of concussions, um, you know, what advice could you give caregivers? Yeah, I'd say, and I, I find myself saying this on clinic all the time, you know, as the parent, you are the expert on your own child. And um, if you feel like something's off, tell someone, seek, you know, seek care and advocate for your child. If your child's having symptoms that are sticking around, as I mentioned earlier, um, there are things we can do to, to treat and manage those symptoms actively. We don't have to wait and watch. There are things that we can do to help get your kid back to feeling like themselves again. And so I'd say that's my my best mm -hmm. advice that I can give. Well, that's wonderful advice and we're, we're uh, thankful to have received it. So thank you so much to Dr. Adrian Spingos for taking the time to speak with us about youth concussions and what can be done to reduce them. And thank you to all of our viewers and listeners as well. Make sure you visit chesapeakefamily.com for up-to-date local information on home, health, and living for today's Maryland parent. This episode will be archived on chesapeakefamily.com in video and podcast format. I'm Laura Boycourt with Chesapeake Family Life and Third Floor Views. Thanks so much for joining us.